0: Well, good morning, church. Good morning. morning. How's everyone today? Good. Um, So Meg was uh, Meg was driving home. I seem to start with Meg a lot. Uh, Meg was driving home the other day uh, from Guelph, and it was a really like scary drive. And it got me thinking about sometimes when I've been driving in winter conditions. Uh, These days I've got a nice you know four wheel drive vehicle, but. I have a history of uh, challenging winter vehicles. Um, when I first got the Magnum, uh, I drove it off a lot in the summer and it was fine. But uh, when winter rolled around, I didn't pay much attention and the tires were like very bad winter tires. And so one of the first things uh, that I had to do that winter was get my lovely fiance to push me out of like a three foot snowdrift in this massive curse of the car, um, and uh, and then later on, I decided you know maybe it's a good investment to get some winter tires. But even winter tires with a rear rear-wheel drive car uh, in certain conditions proved challenging. There was one time uh, I was uh, driving up a road in Uptown Waterloo, and uh, it had a slight curve to it, and I might have been going 20, maybe 25 and as the uh, the turn approached i I went to turn into it and and nothing happened with the steering and and then I hit the brakes, and nothing happened and My car just started pivoting. Uh, and I was, I was going sideways down this road and another Toyota Camry, it was a champagne colored Toyota Camry, was coming at me at, at another five kilometers an hour. And this was the slowest, most devastating, like I'm, I have no control. Like it doesn't matter what I do here at the steering wheel or down there at the pedals. I'm just going to, and, and we're, we end up within inches of each other. We wave at each other and then we go our separate ways. (laughs) Um... And then I had a focus. Oh, the focus. Um, <laughs> car. This car was a great blessing to us, uh, but near the end, the alignment was yeah. so poor and the tires so bald that I was uh, driving through Paris. Um, I was about to go up a hill. Uh, anyone know Paris? Oh, yeah. So there's this big hill that goes up uh, towards Dundas Street <coughs> and uh, it, it curves very sharply, and uh, if you don't make that curve, that is the Grand River. Uh, so again, I'm not going terribly fast, but I hit the brakes, and absolutely nothing happens. I turn the steering wheel, absolutely nothing happens, and it was at that point that I decided that you know maybe maybe let's uh, let's let's move on from this focus. Although a great blessing <laughs> in my life, thank you, Bob Martin. Really <laughs> I realize that. Um, <laughs> All that to say, all that to ask, do you ever feel like you don't seem to be in total control of a situation? Like no matter what effort you put into the inputs of your life, you still seem to keep going along that same path. So, recently... I uh, I had the benefit of attending a conference that 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 helped me understand why that is, and uh, what I wanted to do was share that uh, with you this morning. You see, I believe that our our sin in our lives that we that we fall into that we stay rutted in is a reflection of our priorities in life, and despite the fact that I may know that certain behavior is sinful. I still seem to fall into it. Despite my awareness of what not to do, I still seek to gratify those desires in me. And despite how obvious and grotesque and disgusted with myself I am afterwards, uh, it still seems to be something that's attractive to me in the first place. Sin has this like hold on me, and I keep falling into those things. You see, Paul wrestled with this very same concept in chapter 7 of his letter to the church in Rome. He knew what he ought to do, but didn't do it, and instead he did the things he hated. The law had equipped him to know what was permissible and what was not permissible to God. However, the law didn't prevent him from getting into that sort of behavior. Paul wrestles with this mightily in his letter. And it seems that sometimes our our sin can just overwhelm us. It feels like it almost overrides our relationship with Christ at times. And and I'm not talking about, you know, the sin that's a, that's a once off. I think we all have our our habitual, hard-to-shake sins inside of us. And this is the sort of thing I'm talking about, these, these patterns of sin that we can't seem to, to deviate from no matter how hard we try and turn the wheel to the left or to the right. So I've titled this message today The Object of Our Affection because I believe that the object of our affection has a great impact on what attracts us our inability to shake loose of our old sinful habits reveals the condition of our heart you see when our time and our attention and our focus is on things of the world like money like status like vengeance for being wronged like our lust like our pride like our greed like like all these things when our when our focus is on these things, when our focus, when our mindset is occupied with all these things of the world, then that's what we chase after. Those things become the things that flow out of us. When Jesus went to the cross, it wasn't about relieving us of sinful habits, of of relieving us of, of the temptation into these things, of, of all these things that are clamoring for our attention, the, the cross was paying for the fact that we do fall into these things. But it wasn't uh, you know, a, an ejector seat from temptation, it wasn't something that was going to extract us from the world we live in these same sinful thoughts, actions, and words still fester inside of us, if we keep our focus on them, if we keep our priorities in our life geared towards these worldly things, then guess what's going to come out of us? It's those same worldly sinful things. Paul had some very clear instructions to the church in Rome in chapter 12. This is a passage that sort of is central to the theme of this whole message. Chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Much like Jesus a sacrifice, much like Jesus made a sacrifice to pay for the wages of sin and death. We also need to make sacrifices in our own life to get out of the, the sin we keep falling into our our worship and adoration of these things in our life like money like like our status like our 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 vengeance for being wrong our, our, our lust our pride our greed our 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 idolatry of these things our time our, our energies our focus being placed on these things in our life is an act of worship when we worship these things we're not worshiping God When we focus our time and attention and energies on these things, we are not bowing down before our Father. When we do that, that leads us into a life of sin. So no matter how hard I try to turn this steering wheel, um, if my time and attention is still placed on these other things in my life, No amount of stomping the brake pad, no amount of turning the wheel is going to deviate me off that path of habitual sin. You see, when when our lives lack the proper care and attention of maintaining good winter tires, maintaining the alignment, maintaining uh, proper brake fluid, and and our lives require that that attention and that effort and that continual maintenance in order for us to be able to guide ourselves down the path that we ought to be traveling down. You see, unless I put in that effort diligently on a continual basis, something will go wrong and I'll go careening out of control. Conversely, our worship and adoration of God uh, leads us out of our sin. The idea is that our worship leads us into sin, but our worship can lead us out of sin. Our worship and idolatry of the things of the world lead us into a life of sin, but our worship and, I, and, and, and praise of God creates desires in us that lead us out of sin. The preparation of my heart is like putting on a good set of winter tires, of getting new brakes and rotors and pads, of of alignment. The the work that we put in to devoting time and energy towards God is what is going to lead us out of sin. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? Paul says in verse one that being a living sacrifice is our spiritual act of worship, and that doesn't just mean here on Sunday mornings. That doesn't mean you know Sundays and Thursdays. It, it's not just something that is even a daily thing or, or an hourly thing. This is a this is a continual life of sacrifice, a continual offering of ourselves in worship and adoration to God. The more we devote time and energy in our life to reading God's word and and praying and building a relationship, the more we desire that, the more that becomes a central focal point of our lives. The more energy I put into spending time with God creates in me a greater desire to do that more and more and more. And so if you're stuck in the cycle of sin, start spending time with God. Don't, don't worry about, I'm not here to, to slag accountability partners or, or different tactics to try and remove sin from your life or setting up you know, boundaries that you know if you go past that you're going to fall into a pattern of sin. I'm not, I'm not saying that those are bad things. Those are, those are all valuable tactics that we can employ to, to keep ourselves out of, out of temptation's reach. But ultimately, if we focus our energies on God and if we if we make that a central core devotion of our time, then that is going to break that pattern of sin. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. The corrupt and broken world is full of things that tempt and 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 scintillate our, our desires and and they 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 sort of pry at our consciousness because it, it's so attractive to us. But if we continue to devote attention to those things, it comes at a cost of the attention we can devote towards God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul is saying that if we devote our time and energy to renewing our mind by focusing on God, by praying to God, by reading the word, by meditating on this amazing gift of forgiveness and love and mercy that we have, that we can become more in tune with God. The things that are His will start to become the things that are our will. I've seen this work in my own life. The more I, I seek God, the less attractive those sins I used to struggle with are. The, the more I go to God in prayer, the more that I see His hand in my life working and, and, and moving and, 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 and delivering me from situations. The more time I devote to Him, last time i want to devote to these things that used to tempt me then you will be able to test and approve what god's will is then and only then after your spiritual transformer transformation has taken place will you be able to understand and test and know what god's will is you see, from the point of view of someone who's stuck in sin, from someone who is struggling and and just can't seem to get out of that rut, God's will is oppressive to us. God's God's desire for us is is not what ours is. And and the, the idea of sorta of pulling ourselves out of that muck and mire of sin and, and focusing on God's will is discouraging and, and difficult. But if we focus our time and energy on God first and and that transformation takes place within us, then it is vastly more easy to understand and appreciate and desire God's will in your life. Being baptized and becoming a Christian is certainly a great first step, but if you still, as a baby Christian, hang on to the sin that that tempts you, you're not going to grow out of your old habits. When you're mired in sin and stuck in your ways, how likely is it that you're going to approve of God's will for your life? Who likes to be called out on their behavior? Who likes to be disciplined for their behavior? Who likes to reap the terrible consequences of sinfulness? Not many of us, I would would argue. But once we align ourselves with God's will then, and only then, will we start to finally approve of His will in our life, even if that means discipline, even if that means trial, and even if that means sacrifice that's needed on our behalf. Listen, it's pretty simple. For anyone who's struggling with a repeated sin and and, and that sort of cycle in your life, it's not going to change... if you stay doing the same things. And this isn't about putting it all on your shoulders and you have to get out of it yourself. God wants to help you out of it. God wants to, to, to bring you out of that pattern of behavior. And God wants to to bring you to a place where you are living a righteous and holy life. But he can't do that if he doesn't have a relationship with you. If you don't desire to have a relationship with him, His willingness to help you out of that is not worth a lot until you actually start desiring that relationship with him. See, worship leads you into sin, but worship can also lead you out of it. Idolatry of the sinful worldly matters focuses our minds on those same things, but true adoration and worship of God focuses our hearts and minds on him. Pray. Not just daily, but continually. Read his scripture. Read the word that he gives us. Constantly. Again, dive into it. Worship God. Offer praise and thanksgiving over every little tiny thing that he blesses you with in his life, in your life. Ask yourself, what is the object of your affection? the more you do that, the more you you focus attention and energy on a relationship with God, the more he is going to bless you and the easier it's going to be to turn away from, from temptation. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, we come before you, and uh, we want to acknowledge our, our sinfulness. Um, God, we know that you have forgiven us, that you have sent your son to the cross for us, and we are so grateful for that. God, please help us to break the cycle of sin in our life. Help us to focus on you. Help us to divert our attention and our energies towards a relationship with you. We know, Lord, that you love us. We know that you want a deep and meaningful relationship with us. Help each one here today and throughout your church and the world to to spend more time and energy focusing on you. God, please work in our lives to help remove these temptations, to help remove... These, these sinful behaviors from our life help us to grow closer to you um, in line with your good and perfect will. We ask this in the name of your Son and our risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen.